0: What's up and welcome to a Workout Nerd Out, I'm Julio Lopez, in case you didn't know. I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist, and certified personal trainer, and I also have my master's degree in nutrition. In today's episode, we're going to cover three topics. One is an article that's published on Healthline. It's t- entitled, What's the Difference Between Weight Loss and Fat Loss? Uh, these are two terms that are used interchangeably, and admittedly, I do that myself. And we're going to be discussing some of the differences between the two. Also, another article that was published by the same thing, the healthline.com. Uh, does weightlifting help women with losing weight? And we're going to talk about some of the advantages and disadvantages for weight training. And finally, meal delivery services. This is a booming industry that has exploded, especially ever since the onset of the covid pandemic let's get started what's the difference between weight loss and fat loss this is an, art, an article re, uh, written by registered dietitian gavin Vanderwall. um like i said earlier weight loss and fat loss are used interchangeably um but they do mean different things so with weight loss you're not just discussing fat loss to clarify with weight loss, there you're also talking about muscle being lost, lean mass, or bone density is reduced. You when your bone density starts going down, your weight also goes down. So a woman with osteoporosis when she's 65 versus her 22 year old self who didn't have osteoporosis, even if they carried the same amount of muscle and fat. The one with uh, osteoporosis would obviously weigh less just because the bones aren't as dense as they once were when she was younger. Also, the amount of water that a person is carrying. So when you're dehydrated, obviously you're going to be weighing less than you did when you're at a healthy level. So if you follow MMA or wrestling, you may have heard of weight cutting that basically means that the athlete dehydrates himself either through sauna or in a hot bathtub just to sweat out all the uh, water that they can in order to be able to make weight that is what's with fat loss is basically you're just looking at fat so if you're going to a personal trainer and you want to lose weight generally most people mean they really just want to lose fat because i don't think many people go to a personal trainer with the goal of trying to lose muscle mass or water or bone density but how can you tell whether you're losing weight from lean body mass from lean muscle or if it's fat there's two ways that you can do it at home uh you can use skin calipers you've probably seen people using these at the gym sometimes personal trainers like to measure body fat the only problem is that it's not exactly accurate especially if the person is not well trained in measuring body fat sometimes you're supposed to pinch to squeeze out the fat this is the subcutaneous fat the fat that resides just underneath the skin and sometimes if a person is pinching the wrong spot they might also be pinching some muscle and when that happens they're actually measuring uh, a higher amount of fat than what a person is carrying in other words so let's say if i was to get a pinch and instead of what would be about a half inch i'm pinching about three quarters of an inch that could contribute to a higher body fat reading. It helps to get a whole lot of practice just to make sure that you're getting consistent numbers and getting a more accurate body fat reading. Also another caveat is that it really helps a lot to have someone else doing it for you instead of you doing it yourself because some of the regions where fat is measured, can be hard to reach for an individual person, especially if you're trying to get consistent reading at all times. So it's not the most ideal, but I mean, if you're just trying to find a rough estimate of where you're standing in terms of how much body fat you're carrying, that could be helpful. There's also the body impedance Uh, analysis, which is a fancy way to say those weight scales that measure body fat by sending out an electrical current that goes through the body and measures how much time it takes for the electrical current to travel through the body and return to the device. A person who's carrying more muscle and less fat The electrical current will take a lot less time than it would for a person who's carrying more fat than they are uh, muscle. The only thing with this one is it's also uh, very inaccurate because it can be easily uh, altered by a person's hydration level. So if you're dehydrated, you're probably going to get a much lower body fat reading than if you're. Perfectly hydrated at a safe level or overhydrated at that time. But again, if you're just looking for a ballpark figure, that could be helpful. If you're trying to get a very accurate reading, the DEXA scan and a BOD pod are the most accurate. Doing the two would be the gold standard. The only caveat with these two is that it does cost a lot of money to be able to do that, and not a whole lot of people have the time to be going to a clinic to have their body fat measured through DEXA or BotPod. So what I mean by DEXA is it's basically an x-ray that gets a full body x-ray and they're able to measure how much uh, fat, how much muscle you're carrying and your bone density as well. So someone who's going getting older, this can be very helpful just to make sure that they can track how much muscle and uh, bone density they're carrying. And also, in case they wanted to see how much fat they're carrying, same thing with bot pot you're not gonna get all the bone density stuff, but again, if you're looking for how much uh body fat percentage you're you're carrying uh that's a good option personally, I don't think the general public really really needs to know it's really just something if you are um curious about it. The folks that I do recommend, people that want to find out their body fat percentage are mostly the people that are like in physique competitions, bodybuilding competitions, because when you're on stage, you want to be as lean as you can be so you can show the the striations and muscles and be able to look the most physically fit on stage. And that's after weight cutting, of course. Like I said earlier, there's subcutaneous fat that's what's measured when you're using skin calipers. That's, again, the fat that resides just underneath the skin. That's not the only kind of fat that you're carrying. There's also visceral fat. Visceral fat is the type of fat that doctors are most concerned about. A lot of long-term chronic uh, weight-related illnesses are caused by visceral fat. This contributes to diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and you can usually tell when someone is carrying visceral fat from the protruding gut, a lot of times that's pushed out by the visceral fat or a barrel chest, same thing, the thing with the visceral fat is that instead of just residing under the skin where it doesn't really pose much of a health risk to an individual, it's more closely surrounding our internal organs and that's why doctors are concerned because they can squeeze some of the organs not allow them to function as optimally as they would like you're trying to lose weight either subcutaneous or visceral fat the best way to do it obviously is to go into a caloric deficit diet that means um, eating fewer calories than what you are burning over the course of the day, if it, you want to go into f- further detail, reading the article, I do recommend it. It was well written by Mister Van der Waal. Again, it's entitled "What's the difference between weight loss and fat loss?" on Healthian. The other article does weightlifting help women with losing weight? This was written by Katie Davison, another registered dietitian, and she's also a personal trainer, much like myself. Does weightlifting help? women with losing weight. So the thing about uh, weightlifting is that it's helpful in building um, muscle mass. Why you would want to gain more muscle mass or maintain muscle mass when you're trying to lose weight, even though it's commonly known that muscle weighs more than fat. The reason why you would want to carry more muscle, even though that it it does weigh more than fat is that muscle is more metabolically demanding so what that means is think of a car engine a v8 versus a v6 a v8 engine is bigger more powerful and demands more gasoline for it to be performing at its optimal level so if you had a mustang gt or a saline mustang both of those are v8s really high powerful engines you could go super duper fast with uh, both of them obviously with the saline goes a lot faster than the regular ford mustang gt or if you had the v6 version of the mustang or the four cylinder version of the mustang you're not going to be able to go as fast as the gt and the saline because they have smaller engines and if you were to take off to see who's going to win in a race, obviously the V8s are going to uh, race faster, even though at the end, the V8s are going to be burning more gasoline. That is what I mean by uh you want to carry more muscle when you're working out, when you're trying to lose weight. Because over the course of time, you're, the more muscle mass that you're carrying, that means that your body is burning away more calories and that over the, in the long run can help with losing weight faster or more effectively than if you're do, just to try to lose weight with um, the diet alone. And another thing what research has shown is losing weight by diet alone also leads to, leads to more muscle loss. And that's one of the reasons why health professionals do recommend that you include a weight training program when you're trying to lose weight, even if you're not trying to look like a bodybuilder or have a particularly uh, athletic looking physique. Because by weight training, you're able to maintain some of the muscle. So you're not uh, losing that muscle mass that you would if you were just to be losing the weight by diet alone. So think of it this way, a person that weighs 300 pounds that loses a whole bunch of weight, say they go down to 150 pounds. When they're at 300 pounds, they're having to carry a lot more muscle because their body needs to be able to lift the person off a chair, walk around, go upstairs, go downstairs. So the body needs to be strong enough to be able to carry that person throughout the day. When that person loses loses the weight, some of that muscle mass is lost because the individual doesn't need to carry nearly as much weight as they did when they weighed the 300 pounds uh, as compared to when they went down to the 150 pounds. Even if you're weight training, though, the person that goes from 300 to 150 pounds they're still going to be uh, losing uh, some of that muscle mass regardless if they're weight training. This is something that's inevitable, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something that's going to happen. There's no way around it. Again, it's because you're not carrying 300 pounds with you at all times. That's the only reason why. Also, should you also do cardio as well? My opinion, I think that cardio should be done. And research also uh, supports that cardio can also help with building muscle mass. So for example, there's a study that came out about two years ago where they looked at the physiological advantages of rowing. And what the researchers found was that rowing helps to build muscle mass in the slow twitch muscles. So a lot of people usually align slow twitch muscles with being smaller because those are the endurance muscles so if you look at marathon runners or the long distance uh track runners the ones that run the 3ks or uh, the 10k races in the olympics they're most of the times a lot leaner than the 100 meter and 200 meter sprinters even though if you're weight training, it usually works more of the type 2 muscles, the fast switch muscles. Those are muscles that can be made to uh, be a lot larger than the type 1 muscles. By increasing muscle size with cardio, such as rowing, by increasing the type 1 muscle size, you can contribute to a larger overall muscle, uh, mass that you're carrying muscle volume. So, um, a person will be able to look like they're bigger and stronger if they were to include a rowing regimen into their workout routine. So there's something that you can consider along with that. You obviously have the health advantages from having, uh, done, done cardio. So you're, if you're playing with your kids, you're not going to be getting as tired as you would, if you were just weightlifting, because your heart will be able to pump out enough blood for the oxygen to support your, your muscles to function function more optimally over a longer period of time. So again that's a great thing about doing cardio when you're working out whether you're trying to lose weight or if you're not. One of the biggest things that a lot of women fear about weight training is that they think that they're going to uh, look big and buff after a while or even right after they start weight training. This is nothing new. Back when I was a kid, I remember going to the Y. This was in the early 90s and you'd always see all the women either on the treadmills or on the cardio equipment or in the aerobic classes, and the guys were always in the weight training side um, because women were afraid that if they were to go into the weightlifting, that they would get buff. I see that's not going to happen because women do not carry nearly as much, do not produce nearly nearly as much testosterone which has an anabolic effect that can contribute to way more muscle growth than uh, than estrogen can. So, in short, a, a woman is not going to get all big and buff right away, and if she did, she would be making every single guy at the gym super jealous because a lot of the guys that work out consistently they've probably been doing it for years and years and if they see a woman go in and right away she gets super big and buff it's like oh my god i've been wasting all this time and she's like super buff and i'm not <laughs> that again that's not going to happen that's not reality finally the big one of huge risk factor towards women especially after menopause is osteopenia the loss of bone mass or osteoporosis Obviously, this is uh, further bone loss and loss in bone density which can be life-threatening if a woman knows to break a hip or make life a lot more difficult by weight training since you're carrying heavy weights your body must adjust to that and that's why it would induce the body to increase its bone density. Assuming that you're on a healthy diet, you're getting enough calcium and vitamin D. Uh, women would be able to reduce the risk of osteopenia or osteoporosis. Uh, so that's, those are two, that's what I think are, are the big benefits to weight training for women. And finally, we have the meal delivery services. And uh, back when the pandemic started in 2020, Meal delivery services basically exploded. I remember hearing advertisements for Blue Apron uh, in supporting podcasts. I usually would sponsor some of the podcasts that I would listen to. But when COVID happened and everybody was encouraged to stay at home and to stay away from people, people would try to find ways to stay away from others. So they wouldn't be spreading the disease or getting the disease themselves and this is where meal delivery services really exploded there are great benefits for uh, meal delivery services for several reasons and there are are also some caveats that might want to have some people pause before they invest in having a meal delivery service for themselves some people it's perfect for them other people they might not be uh, the best option Let's break it down and see if it could fit for you or if you would rather just continue doing what you're doing and continue to get your your food uh, from the grocery store. So first off, the obvious biggest uh, uh, strength for having the uh, meals delivered to you is that you don't have to leave your house. So you don't have to get in your car, deal with traffic, deal with long lines at the grocery store. Having to look for whatever foods you're looking for and to find out that they're all sold out or they're no, no longer stocking them. All those annoying little things that you hate about dealing with a grocery store. Having a shopping cart uh, ram into your car, seeing a new dent or a new scratch in your car. Those are the things that you don't have to deal with if you're getting your food delivered to you because it's just coming right to your house. They're knocking on your door, here's your food, sign for it if that's how they do it. I'm pretty sure they do because a lot of the food would have to be refrigerated or have it uh, sitting there for you for you to pick up at your front door if it's non-perishable. So that could be a huge time saver I mean, for a lot of people, especially parents or busy professionals that don't have a whole lot of time available to them or they don't want to have to waste in a full hour at a grocery store this is an op- an option that could be a giant advantage for some people that would be uh, most benefit most benefiting from uh food delivery services. There's also the fact that there's less food waste coming from uh food delivery services so I don't use the these meal deliveries um i do my shopping myself i do the meal prepping myself i chop the vegetables the meats whatever cook it all by myself the good thing that i see with meal delivery services is that there's less food waste and uh, one of the things that i don't like about having to prepare my food is that uh, say if i was to be cooking steak i don't like eating the fat so i just trim off the fat and get rid of that and along with that i every every time I'm cutting off some of the lean meat unless I was to try to do like surgical cuts, getting rid of the fat, which I'm not going to do because that would take too much time. But with the meal delivery services, they're doing that for you. So you have the convenience of having that prepared for you, getting all the fruits and vegetables ready for you. Some of them they come in pre chopped the vegetables or pre cut pieces of meat, others you have to do that yourself. Uh, it depends on which service that you're getting. Of course, there's like uh, the different type of services has um, different benefits and have different costs to them. There's also that another great thing is a lot of them have large food uh, menus. so you have a wide variety of items from which you can choose from. If you happen to be vegan, vegetarian, uh, following a ketogenic diet, this could be awesome for you because a lot of these, there are some of the services specialize in those different types of, uh, meal strategies. So if that's something that you're looking for, that's perfect for you. you, know, you could have foods that you like that fit your taste, your, your um, a, your idea of what should be what you should be eating and you don't have to deal with all the nonsense that you have to do deal with when you go to the grocery store. Biggest advantage that I see is that a lot of them do have a lot of fruits and vegetables to them. A lot of people, especially here in the United States, don't eat a whole lot of produce. With these, they include the produce that you're adding into the vegetables, into the meals. And since many of the meals aren't prepared by chefs, uh, the taste, usually uh usually uh go together very well so not only are you getting a healthy and nutritious meal that's full of vitamins and minerals that you get from the fruits and vegetables within the meals there these flavors are all complementing each other so you're also getting a very delicious tasting uh, meal along with the nutrient density one of the things that we can't ignore is as health professionals as someone like myself with a with masters in nutrition uh, is that people are almost never going to stick with food that they don't like eating and if it's something that you like eating and it's and it's nutrient dense that's a double win for you so that is another reason why you might want to invest in a food uh, meal delivery service now, as for the weaknesses, obvious, since all this stuff is done being done for you, you're going to have to pay for it. So, for some people, that might be mean that it's going to be more expensive, too expensive for some to to be able to afford. If you're able to afford this without a problem, then you don't have to worry about it. But if you are someone that does have to save. And keep money aside for, for a rainy day or to take care of the other necessities like fuel health insurance car insurance paying the rent then you might want to skip out on this until you're in a better financial situation also not all meal delivery services have a, a variety of meal sizes so they only come with the same size meals which If you're someone right in the middle between I'd probably say between 130, 120, 130 to 160, 170 pounds, whether male or female, the food that you're getting, the meal size that you're getting would probably be a perfect fit for you. But if you're above that or below that, you might not be fully satiated after eating the, uh, the meals or it might be just too much and what that gets rid of the benefit of not having to deal with a whole lot of food waste. Otherwise if you're below that and it's too much food, you might actually be gaining weight. So that's a weakness to the meal delivery services that it's a shame, but it's a reality. There are some companies that do have different options in the meal sizes. Uh, but not all companies offer this. If you do go with a company that does offer this, again, cost might be a an added factor to that. There's also the fact that uh, some people do have food allergies. If that is you, you'd have to be very careful making sure that the food isn't prepared with stuff that has been in contact with the types of food that give you allergies so if you're somebody that has food allergies you got to make sure that you do your homework call the company make contact with whatever company that you're researching just to make sure that you don't have any potential problems that could arise even though a lot of the companies do have a large uh, meal variety there's always going to be an end so it's like Imagine if you made a playlist and you've been listening to that playlist every day for a couple months. Somewhere along the line, you're going to grow tired of that playlist and you're going to want to add some other options. But with uh, if you're sticking with the same company, the additional options might come too slow for you. So you might be getting tired with the food that they're offering to you. I do suggest if you're going with a meal delivery service is to swap companies. So don't just stick with the same company over over a year or two instead maybe go with one company for a couple months for every three to four months and switch to a different company. That way you're able to switch around with with the menu options that are available so they. Some have different types of vegetables that they add than others. So that way you're able to keep your yourself happy by having uh, uh, meals that you're not growing tired of. Because again, if you're not liking the food that you're eating, you're not going to be sticking with the meal plan. And if, especially if you're using these meal delivery services to help you lose weight or to maintain weight, then you're, if you're growing tired of the food is going to hurt you more than it is going to help you adding on to that going back to the vegan vegetarian keto folks obviously your food options are automatically uh the list of options are automatically shortened so you may you might go to you might see a company that advertises themselves with having a hundred items on their menus, but then you look at their vegan or keto options, and you're only getting like 10, that is something that you should expect, I mean, you, you're you probably already used to that, that's one of the fortunate things of having a more restrictive uh, diet, but again, if it is something that you're happy with, you're eating a keto or a vegan diet, In that case, then uh, you might be used to it by now. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of meal service companies don't have a whole lot of options. There are, however, some companies that do specialize in keto or do specialize in vegan or vegetarian diets. They might have more meals to their menus than a company like Blue Apron or HelloFresh. Again, those might actually be, end up being more expensive than the bigger ones. But again, if you're able to afford it, then have at it, go with it. Uh, If you're not already using a meal delivery service, do I recommend you using one? It depends. Like I said, if you're able to afford it, if it fits you, if if you're someone that is annoyed with having to cook everything, From scratch dealing with all the excess food waste then you might be the perfect candidate for a meal delivery service the Huge advantage to a lot of these companies that they often offer a free trial period So that way you can try out the meal delivery Without having to invest a whole lot of money into it some they might give you you might have to put in a deposit, others will just offer you a free meal right off the bat. So that way you can try it out for yourself and see what it's like before you make the you take the plunge and make the giant investment. So that does it for today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you join us on the next one. And don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button.